Hello to each of you. So happy to see you this morning. Thank you for choosing to worship with us. You know, I'm in a spirit of gratitude on this day for all that God has done for us. When I think about the last couple of months in the life of myself and the life of the Firm Foundation Church and the life of our families and our community partners, God has indeed been good to us. He's kept us. We've lost some people along the way in our lives, and but we thank God for being a constant for us in that um, although we don't understand, we know that we will understand by and by, but I thank God for keeping us mentally, spiritually, and emotionally in the days that we've had that have come behind us. And so we know we still have some days in front of us, but we offer gratitude to God on this morning for being all God has been to us. I also offer gratitude for those who have come before us in this worship service. So thank you, Christine, for bringing an awesome scripture and prayer on this morning. I thank the music ministry being led by Ms. Jasmine Ivy for the song that you lifted this morning. So thank you, Elijah, for being on the keyboard and Marcus for being on the drums. We thank you. Um, the ministry that you offer to this church is definitely necessary. And now that we've had an opportunity to sing the same songs, I think it's powerful to know that someone, maybe not at the same time, um, in another state, in another county, or possibly across the world, if we really look at our statistics, has sung the same song that you sung today, has heard the same sermon that you heard today, and therefore by uh, increasing our energy, increasing our energy and bringing us together to be on the same page. And so I know many of you may say, hey, you know, I missed the Sunday, I missed last Sunday, but when we're in a sermon series, I'm holding you accountable to go back and watch those messages that you missed because you may just miss something that God had for you and it doesn't matter if Pastor Eva gave the message, but you may miss what God has for you. And so I want to hold you accountable to doing what you need to do in your own discipline in this season. And if you need me, you know how to find me, you know how to find Jasmine, you know how to find Danielle, and you know how to find Brother Calvin. But today we're going to continue the sermon series, The Power of We. We've been talking about the power of we. And so the first sermon series, the first sermon in this installment, we talked about the 10 lepers in Luke chapter 17. I told you about how they were forced into community because of their condition. But out of that community, they learned how to operate in the spirit of cooperation. And in that, they were able to get their needs met through collective action. Last Sunday, Minister Rachel Mixon came in and reminded us that we each have a certain type of privilege in our lives and we should examine our privilege just as Jesus laid down many of his privileges to seek after us. We may have to lay down our privileges to seek after the lost. And so at the end of the day, she reminded us that it is not about you. It is not about you. And today, I want to talk about what's in a name. What's in a name? So if you're listening, I'm asking you to get your pen and paper because I am going to display certain passages of scriptures to the screen on today um, so that you, while you may can go back and watch this sermon, that's the blessing of right now, but I also need you engaged uh, with your eyes and reading as well as taking notes if that's how things work out for you. But in some African traditions, baby naming is a communal celebration. Mothers and fathers gather the community together to not only introduce the child to the village in which he or she will live, 
but to also confer a name on the child, confer a name on the child. And so they believe that the name of a child of an individual has significance and influence, meaning that what you name a child has significance in their life, not only as a child, not only on the day that they're doing it, but their journey ahead in life. And that their name has influence over the child and the family. Also, our name, it means something to God. Our name means something to God. You know, here at this church, we sing a song called, He Knows My Name. He Knows My Name. And to think about God, the creator, the sustainer of the entire universe, knowing our name, how beautiful that is, because it means that God is not so far off, so far off but he's near, near enough to know our name. And so I want to talk a little bit about the places in the Bible where we see how important names are to God. And so we know in the Bible, there are many accounts that when somebody has had a spiritual interaction with God, some type of spiritual change in their life, where their name was changed. Abram at the age of 99, his name was changed to Abraham when God gave him the promise that he would be the father of many nations. Jacob, after struggling with a divine being for a blessing, had his name changed to Israel. And Saul, after he went to, through his spiritual conversion, had his name changed to Paul. As we end our prayers, as Christians, we say, in the name of Jesus. A name carries weight. And even those, the book of Revelation tells us that who will enter heaven will have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. Their name, not their race, not their color, not their creed, not their family, but their name would be written in the Lamb books of life. There was a song in the 90s um, for this show called Cheers that goes, sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name. And they're all so glad you came. Your name means something. We all want to be in spaces and in places where our name means something. And so if our name means so much to God, our name ought to mean something in community. Our name ought to mean something in community. Again, community is not just about your physical location. It's not about your zip code or what street is around the corner, but it's about the spaces you enter and you bring your whole selves into and there is a mutual agreement to nurture that connection between you and others that are in that same community. Many of us have it wrong that we show up and we pop up in community when it's convenient for us. So we never think about what does that community need from us, right? And so, yes, this world is interdependent. We are interdependent on the people we walk past on the sidewalk. The lady in the line in front of you at Walmart, you and her are interdependent. But I need you to have a clear understanding that the force energy between you and another person 
in a communal space is stronger. The smaller groups that we call family, that we call church, even the people that are in our walking, in our running clubs, there's a greater force behind our interdependency. There is a greater force between me and you, the Firm Foundation Church, than just some random person I met on the street. The level of interdependency is greater. And so our actions, catch it, have a stronger propensity to impact those I am in a communal space and in a communal covenant with. So whatever I do to my brother or my sister in, them spa in those spaces, I have done to myself. And what I have done will come back quickly and it will manifest quicker. In the places that we are vulnerable, where we grow together and supposedly look out for each other, our names should hold weight. The question is, for all of us this morning, how do you handle the name of your brothers and sisters in the places that you call community? How do you handle the name of your brothers and sisters in the places that you call community? The misuse of someone else's name with your mouth is one of the biggest barriers to trust and relationship building. Thus, it is a barrier to community. And it weakens the power of we. Weakens our power. And if it's a barrier to community, it also prohibits safe spaces from forming. So today, I don't want to just talk about the gossiper. We know what gossip looks like. You know, we think gossipers just spread things that are not absolutely sure is true. They may have not heard it from the horse's mouth. But today, I want to put emphasis on the danger of the whisperer. The danger of the whisperer. It's going to share a passage of scripture with you. So this is a passage from Proverbs 16 and 28. It says, a perverse person spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. I wanna read it again. A perverse person spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. A whisperer is a person that goes between people sharing true or untrue information. Whisperers like to go between people gaining information and dropping information off at other locations when they seek to do harm. And so harm is just not about slander and lies. But when you're passing along pieces of information in an effort to control the narrative, and to control how people are viewed, you're a whisperer. Control, having the need to narrate and direct the scenes in the lives of others is a hallmark of witchcraft. It's a hallmark of witchcraft. You don't need tools, we don't need smoke, we don't need um, incense to cast spells, but we can cast spells with our mouth alone. A whisperer divides friendships. They divide marriages. And sometimes they create the spaces and circumstances 
in places and then turn around and label them as toxic. Sometimes the very person that is saying that a situation is toxic or a space is toxic, sometimes they have helped to create that with their mouth. Whispers will never say in public what they say one-on-one -on -one to you. And they will never reveal to others what they have said about them. They'll present others to you in a negative light because the motive behind it is to change your perspective of somebody. So if I think of our community as a garden, think about your communities. What, do you, what spaces do you call community? If it's like a garden, what a whisperer does in those spaces, they go around dropping bad seeds here and there, but they will be the first one to point out that the garden isn't yielding fruit. When sometimes they are the unseen instigator in many issues, the unseen narrator. But guess what? We have power through Jesus Christ to disempower whisperers and narrators. But the question is, have you ever been the whisperer in a situation, knowingly or unknowingly? All of the things that we label sin, all of us have the propensity to consciously or unconsciously to carry those things out. And so on Wednesday night, we talked about what it means to inspect your shadows. Shadows operating in your shadows versus your light. What I mean is when everything is going well, when everybody agrees with you, when everybody does what you need them to do, what you've told them to do, and nobody disagrees with you, it's easy to be in your light and to operate in your light. But what happens? How do you handle the name of people? What do you say about people when you're in your darkness, when you don't get your way, when your feelings are hurt? How do you handle the names of your brothers? and your sisters and supposedly the people you're talking about. Not just verbally, but how do you handle their name on social media? Because at the end of the day, you will give an account for every hour word you have spoken. And so we need to check our motives. And if it is our intent to paint, to paint somebody in a different light, is that our ability and our need to control, which is borderline witchcraft? And so how do you handle the names of others when you are in your shadows, when you are operating at a lower energy, at a lower frequency? How do you handle the name of others? Because here's the deal about our shadows. Our shadows are not just to make us guilty, but there's two things we can gain when we inspect our shadows. Number one, how far we've come, how far we've grown. But number two, where do you need to do more work? Where, to, where do you need to do more work? Because when we think about spiritual ascension, um, you're not gonna ascend no more than your darkness. If you can't grow in the areas of your darkness and the behaviors that you exhibit when you are in bad spaces, you cannot expect to ascend. And that's just how it works. Just how it works and you are free to stay exactly where you are. But if you're talking about growing, growing in God, you have to move beyond just how you are on your good days. Who are you on your bad days? And how do you grow? And how do you seek help to grow in those areas? So 
There are whispers who go from person to person. Many times they like to get you in one-on-one, right? Sometimes they don't know, but they've just been, that behavior has been displayed to them at some point in their lives to get you one-on-one to get personal information from you so they have it to drop later, to drop later. Some are consciously aware of their behavior. And if you've heard this message today and you've been convicted, you need to repent because your behavior is wicked, evil, evil, and in the arena of witchcraft. I'm going to say it again. If you are consciously aware of being a whisperer and that's just what you do, that you sow seeds of discord, and you've heard this message today, there's help for you. If you felt convicted by the Holy Spirit, you need to repent because your behavior is wicked, evil, evil, and in the arena of witchcraft. And so I want to give you an example on how to spot a whisperer. This is a practical one. There's so many, but this is one I want to tell you. There's a law called the third party law. It's a principle called the third party principle, which says that while it takes two people to fight, to have a disagreement, a third party must exist and must develop it for an actual conflict to occur. You may see two people fighting, two people may come into marriage counseling. Two people may come into a fight in the street. But 75, 85% of the time, there's a third party who is instigating it. And that third party must remain unknown to those two people in order for that quarrel to continue to take place, right? And so we in Christian world, we love to quit the call where Satan is the third party, baby. Satan uses people. Evil forces use people. And if you and I are not careful and we stay in our shadows, we have a bad day, we stay there, we're not consistent about our spiritual routine, it is easy for any of us to fall from light to darkness. And when you are there, you are more uh, likely to be used by evil than by light. An instigator thrives in not being seen and not being detected. And so that's one way to recognize it. But anytime you find somebody who is always trying to paint a picture of somebody else to you, I need you to pay attention. For no reason at all, they're trying to paint a picture of somebody else to you. The person who loves to talk to you one-on-one to explain situations instead of with a larger group where there may be some type of conflict, that's the whisperer. And so what I want to say to you, you have an obligation in your community. If you're in community with somebody, you are, you should care about their name. And so we should stay off the phone with people whose topics are never about themselves, but about other people. And you're an adult. Here's the deal. You're an adult. You don't owe anybody any reason why you didn't answer the phone, why you didn't respond to a text messages, a text message, or even a Facebook message any type of message. If the energy isn't right, you're not required to respond. Number two, it is one thing to vent about a situation when you've had a bad day, but you need to be careful how you handle the names of the people who you supposedly love and care about when you're having bad moments with them. Be careful, because not only does God hear you, but your own conscience hears you. 
and you will reap what you sow because ultimately you are sowing unto yourself. And you are obligated to protect the name of your brother and sister. If you claim a space as community, you have an obligation to look out for those that are there. Um, you can divert conversations. You can dismantle whisperers by not engaging in conversations about others when there's no clear positive intent of the conversation. Now, if you're trying to help somebody and you're talking about a situation to get help, that's one thing. But when you're trying to control a narrative or to paint somebody else as evil or bad or as a villain, you're out of order. And so we as the body of Christ should get to a point where we're okay with correcting someone who brings that type of behavior to us. Correct them on the spot if you truly care about your brother and your sister or in the conversation. And so today I'm gonna to leave you with a scripture and a quote to help you understand the seriousness of this because I know it's serious because of the way God laid this before me. This message was not even a part of the sermon series when we first planned it. And so I know God has given this to us for this day, specifically the Firm Foundation Church. And so what I'm asking each of you is to check yourself and to inspect your shadows and that includes myself as well. I am a part of this spiritual family. But if we're going to continue to build authentic community, even in the middle of COVID-19, we need to be careful of how we allow the names of our brothers and sisters to slip off of our tongue. James 1 and 26. If any think that they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. If anything, they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. James 26, write it down. And here's a quote. I lay it down as a fact that if all people knew what others say of them, there will not be four friends in the world. I lay it down as a fact that if all people knew what others say of them, there will not be four friends in the world. What we do with our mouths, how we handle the names of our brothers and our sisters can be a barrier to building community this is the word of the Lord to the Firm Foundation Church on today. But I need you to consider how you handle the names of your brothers and sisters. Assess your own life, your good days and your bad days. How do you handle the name of those in your family? How do you handle the name of your spouse, one you're in covenant with, with God? How do you handle the name of your father and your mother when you don't agree with them? How do you handle the name of your sons and your daughters when you don't agree with them? How do you handle your coworkers' names and your boss's names? Because that's a large part of our lives. 
How do you handle the name of your church family? Those you serve in various ministries with on your good and your bad days, the people that you go work out with at the gym, how do you handle their name? The places that you call community, be very careful how you handle the name of those people.